Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to Nobody Panic with me, Stevie. And me, Tessa. And today, joining us, we have a new celebrity guest. Joining us. It's this. It's Stevie's bought a horn, guys. And she's insisting on calling it a celebrity guest. Now, joining us today on the Graham Norton sofa, it's author, writer, poet, comedian, lover, lover, revolutionist, Fashion, fat gay, fat gay. <laughs> you know, the other day I got interviewed onto this Comedy Central thing, and the first line they did, they said they called me a self-confessed fat gay. <laughs> I was like, How can I be? I'm not. It's not a confession. I'm not confessing. Jack Rook, absolute legend, with a book out, 30th of July. That's Harry Potter's birthday. No big deal. Is it really? I believe so. It's, yeah. The reason that we're doing this episode, how to reach out to a friend is because that is all about what your book's about, isn't it? Y- yeah. Yes. So the book, it's ba- it, the book is basically a kind of comedic memoir meets advice guide on how best to help a friend going through a shit time. So I've sort of like, I've built it through a kind of like autobiographical collection of stories. So I lost my dad when I was 15 and then I lost a close friend to suicide at 21 and then I lost a pair of Nike Air Max trainers on the Northern Line at 25. God, I'm so sorry. I'm just drawing from all three of those bereavements in order to create a memoir that hopefully will be a New York Times bestseller. (laughs) Fingers crossed. And the thing is, is that I left the trainers on the bank branch and that is the hardest one to try and retrieve items from. Because it splits, it splits. It splits. I got something back once from the lost property and you had to go to Baker Street (gasps) opposite the Sherlock Holmes Museum. It was a horrible scarf. And once it was given back to me, I was like, (laughs) this wasn't worth it, actually. (laughs) And then I said, can I go down there? And they were like, no, you can't. And I was like, I bet it's really good. Please, can I see the lost property archives? And they were like, madam, get out, get out. But it's my dream to go. Yeah, I've been to that lost property office uh, so many times. Like, we're in talking like 25 to 30 times. And so that entire area of Baker Street gives me, like, real stress. And, and do you know what, area. Stevie, that really means that my book is going to speak to you. I just think that for anyone who's lost either a parent, a friend to tragic circumstances, or an item on the TFL network, read this book. I just want to say a little bit about why we sort of chose this one. Uh, we, we, we discussed calling it out. <laughs> <laughs> why are you laughing already? <laughs> I just realised what a douche I sounded. <laughs> 
What made Read it? this book. I think I just I quite like I quite I really want to be one of these sort of faux inspirational mental health advocates, but then stab it in the back with like dick jokes. You're not gonna be a New York Times bestselling author if you don't just often shout buy this book, you know? Yeah. Yeah, You've got to lean true. into it, baby. There's no <laughs> point being humble here because we ain't going to toot your horn for you. Oh, you've not even said the name of the book, Jack. Oh, the book. Well, the, because it was attached, I was sort of going to mention it. But oh, sorry. We, Say we another talk- time. Well, no, well, we were talking about this sort of like fear of like trying to help someone. Mm. So I called the book something that I think has been really like, it's a phrase that I think has been really um, commodified by the kind of like mental health uh, industry. I call it an industry, like the mafia, the mental health mafia, like the people who are setting the tone of the mainstream discussions on it. Uh, and, I've, and I've chosen a phrase that I actually think isn't as problematic as everybody makes it out to be. So the book is called Cheer the Fuck Up. Because I actually think whilst that is an insensitive thing to say and often said because people like say the wrong thing and they don't know and they don't know what to do. I also think it's like the one phrase that whenever I have heard it in some scenarios has been said out of like absolute desperation of somebody just being like, I just want you to be better. Like I can't, it's it's like somebody admitting that they're struggling as well. And so Mm. I I, I quite liked it and it goes against my rule because I sort of hate all books that have got a swear word on the title like yeah i, I was gonna really say despise it, them is it causing is that expletive causing problems with the amazon sale uh so it, basically i can't tell people to pre-order it on amazon because amazon sell it one week and then take it off the next but i don't think that's to do with the swear word i think that's to do with the fact they're prioritizing essential supplies <laughs> <laughs> so, and apparently according to jeff bezos my book is not essential supplies to pre-order um there's, there's probably we wanted to call it, well, we thought about calling it How to Reach In, which turned out to be quite a com- grammatically confusing title. So I think um, a lot of the sort of posters that you see nowadays on the tube and shit like this are all like um, struggling, like reach out. It's like, just text a friend, like just ask for help. And I think we're so good at sort of putting that on the onus on the person who's struggling and being like, it's so easy, just ask for help. And anyone who's ever been in a crisis will know it's actually very, very hard to reach out and so what we all need to be better as as friends is <laughs> reaching in <laughs> and i got confused and thought she meant that the person who was going through the, the struggle had to reach in so i was like where are they <laughs> reaching and then and, and then and then tess uh, whatsapp me back and said no they're reaching in to their friend and i was like so they're reaching in and then their hands passing through their back <laughs> and their friends behind them and they're touching their friend is that what like, i was genuinely but no i think it's a lovely idea to reach in out sorry reach out to your friends yeah um, when you see that someone is struggling is such a nice thing to do i think it's one of those things though because naturally we have that in us we have this like want to make sure our friends are safe that they're happy that they're succeeding that they're like having good sex like we've become a generation of people that want like the best for our friends in this sort of like aspirational sense but i also think that like majority of us are absolutely terrified of getting it wrong or feeling like we've said the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing or uh, and i think somehow in the last sort of like five or six years of mental health being this huge like mainstream conversation we have sort of become like we've spoken about it in such a like memorized way it's become like muscle memory just to say like you've got to talk you've got to open up my door's always open blah blah blah. and then none of us actually have a fucking clue what to do when somebody does say like oh i feel like i want to kill myself or like i'm really miserable and we've we've sanitized mental health because it's become such an industry and i sort of feel like 
the majority of these big clarion calls and all these campaigns to get people talking they they don't actually ever help equip the people who are going to hear them because the majority especially right now i think the majority of like reaching outs or reaching ins happen in like living rooms or down the pub they don't happen in like safe earshot of a psychotherapist or a psychiatrist so i think for me i kind of this sounds so earnest and sincere but like i was like why isn't there a book that is just like a okay this is how to like not be afraid of getting it wrong because you might as well do something and i feel like i've written that from like multiple levels of expertise so to speak as someone who's been mad and then helped someone going through a mad time everybody definitely has experience of it maybe as a teen like maybe they were younger or whatever that like a somebody very close to them went through something terrible or like lost a parent you know has something and they just and i, I know there's some I, I know i'm completely guilty of this a good a very dear friend went through it and i just did not know what to do and I was so terrified of getting it wrong that I'm aware that I just like retreated in this like, ah, I just want to give you space. Like I'm just, I knew I was so exactly that, I was so completely terrified. And as a result, in the in every other time it's happened and sort of like to, absor- not to absor- absorb is the wrong word, but like taking that experience of me, like I know I 100% fucked that, I got it wrong. Now I'm, I plow in, if anything, to, <laughs> to hello, <laughs> I'm here now, <laughs> you know? And I, so I would love this, guidebook of like exactly what you know how to get this because once you've jumped in shouting hello yes that's all you've got and <laughs> that's all i've got hello a lot and that can help but not but before we get into it because i think already i think it's going to be a, a really great episode i think we should maybe do our adult things tessa what's your adult thing mine is that for those of you following the journey of me attempting to regrow a number of vegetables on the windowsill mm. um you'll have heard me very smugly saying that i tried to regrow a leek and then i made a winter soup with it like some kind of smug Ooh. bitch and lo karma has come to get me because a <laughs> The leak was on my windowsill and a bird at it. <laughs> so, so I just, yeah, it's got, it's got, the leak's gone. Basically. I think it's very adult that one of your like main sort of issues at the moment is a bird at your leak you've grown. That's very good. <laughs> well, I'm a professional farmer now. So, so it's really hit the harvest quite hard because that's a hundred, that's 100% of my leak crop <laughs> gone, Steve. I've got nothing to take to market. So that's been quite hard. And I guess the adult thing was how well I sort of returned to an equilibrium after, <laughs> after the event. Um, so, yeah, that's just an update on my farming, on my farm, basically. Really great. And Jack, any adult things you've done this week? Well, actually, I want to front... I want to sort of position my adult thing as something that may actually happen during this podcast. I'm currently awaiting a lovely man called Shujar, who is arriving in the hour slot that we have allocated for this podcast to deliver my Tesco (laughs) online delivery. He will be arriving. The doorbell might be rung. You might hear it. My mum will go downstairs. She will retrieve the items at a two metre distance from Shujar. She will put the items on our kitchen table and she will anti-back them for 36 minutes. She will then wash her hands five times. My mum's hand now look like the back of like two Rivita breads they are rough and coarse <laughs> and in that online delivery shop my adult thing is that i have bought three jars because you can only buy a maximum of three three jars of miso paste oh wow i am going to not just be one of these millennial consumers who walks around it going to Wagamama and having a ramen, I'm going to be a maker of ramen. I'm going to be a creator of ramen. I am going to 
have a ramen later. Be a raw man. <laughs> Be a raw man. Because I just sort of think Thrilled it's very... Ad- I've decided it's very adult to make a food that you eat because other people know how to make it, but you yourself have absolutely no clue how to make it good. So I've I've bought some ramen. I've bought some rice wine vinegar shit. I've got some, some mirin. I don't know what it is, but I've read the recipe list. And I'm going to make myself my own version of a Wagamama chicken chili ramen. This is excellent. Well done. Really well Thank done. Thank you. I'm actually, and I think Tessa will know this from, from our chats over the last few weeks, but I'm really surprising myself that I am not being like a messy drama bitch in this pandemic. I'm actually being quite focused on, on survival and, and survival. I would say much I would agree with you Jack and uh, much like me just taking that leak trauma in my stride um, (laughs) you've been really (laughs) you've been really taken taking life and just you know striding on through and you you know Wagamama's is gone for you but you you found a way around it you've brought Wagamama's to you when I really have Stevie what's yours so boring um I don't you know I don't drink tea or coffee don't like it get very hot in the face very hot sort of around the boob area oddly you know, <laughs> and, and it just feels very uncomfortable um start drinking tea decaf yes uh drink about two two cups and whenever i'm i'm just doing something it's, it's minute out of boredom where you're like oh, I don't to, have a cup of tea i feel so like i've arrived you know like i've arrived in adulthood because I've, I've never been able to partake in the i'll just put the kettle on before i've been like no i'm okay can i have some water and i sound like a child that's my are you enjoying the tea is it nice you know what? It is very nice. It's very calming and it's like a nice, it's better than eating more cake, which is, I'm trying to like stop eating. I've just been eating like all day. So I'm trying to like have breaks. It marks basically the end of one meal and the beginning of another. That's what's perfect. You know. uh, I need one of those. So Jack, how to reach out. You've brought some tips from your top tip top book. Cheer the fuck up. Let's, let's, let's start with a tip. Yes. Maybe what people, um, will want to access in the book and it's a kind of like how to spot those early signs of people having a shit time and i think it can manifest itself in a lot of different ways like with my friend ollie the first time that i sort of noticed that he was struggling was the way that he would just leave nights out without saying goodbye but there wouldn't even be like a a text of like sorry i've left or like there would just be a nothing it'd be like a oh okay he's vanished that's quite a worrying behavior anyway but it's definitely like one sign that made me think okay there's something not up here because you don't just normally if you want even if you do an irish goodbye you might like three hours later be sorry i i I couldn't stand being around camilla anymore like type thing yeah um or if like Sorry if anyone... your thing, you know, like if you if you're if everyone's got a friend who's like, yeah, she just always leaves, and if she always doesn't always has done, that's her vibe. Fine, but if he's like also like a behaviour change, I think is so. Yeah, like, that's a real sign. Yeah. Yeah, and then the Samaritans who are actually a pretty good charity, guys, I must say. They have these sort of tips for something called like active listening. Mm. And I think like by active listening, it is that exact thing of like, we have told people to open up, but now we do need to tell people how to like hear those admissions and not freak out, make it about themselves, get upset themselves and actually feel like prepared. So these tips are... They, they use an acronym. Do we like an acronym, girls? We love an acronym. So the acronym is called SHUSH. These stand for 
S, which is show you care, which is basically just like actually focusing on somebody if they are talking about stuff. I remember, I remember trying to talk to a friend about Ollie and them literally just being like on their phone the whole time, like, yeah, oh no, that's awful. Yeah. <laughs> Me just being like, can you focus on what I'm saying, please? Um, so it's like, I think knowing and not trying to use something as a distraction or as like a safety mechanism, just being like, okay, I'm here to listen here are my eyes, here are my ears type thing. Um, H, which is have patience. And I think this is something that I know that I have got wrong with some of my friends. I have maybe been so desperate to try and, you know, get to the bottom of what's wrong with them. And I've maybe, you know, waited months, years for this admission to happen. And I know that sometimes I've gone, okay, well, maybe it's this, well, maybe it's that, or maybe you need this. And it's like, no, you have to have patience. Let them speak about it. Let them have big, long pauses in the middle or or change their mind. Like, you kind of have to really give somebody the time to go through everything that maybe they have been struggling with because it isn't just something that you lift on the top of your head like so much of mental health and and looking at the things that are symptomatic of depression or anxiety or OCD they're all like interconnected in quite complicated ways and it takes a while to like stretch out all of those tangles and figure out what they mean so I think like just if somebody pauses you don't need to fill that pause you don't need to say something you can just like let that pause be and and just like show that you're listening and mm. and take it on board then the u in the acronym shush is to like use open questions that need more than a yes no answer so i always think this is a good one because when you're asking somebody about their mood it, it isn't just like a smash hits magazine it's not like a binary of like yes i feel shit no i feel fine like i think it's about broadening out getting people to describe how like things feel or maybe how long something's been going on for or like trying to delve in a little bit more to help them in that process of like properly articulating then s now this one i think you can just independently evaluate whether you want to do this or not this is obviously what the samaritans have written because they're like more of a kind of clinical charity type thing but they put s say it back now i think this could be awful i think i think you can't if somebody says something awful don't like directly say it back to them but i think it's like (laughs) sorry i shouldn't be laughing when i'm giving the more serious tips of the book but like if someone's like i want to kill myself don't be like so you want to kill yourself do you like like it's not that i think it's like saying it back is 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 trying to use some sort of signaling to say that you've heard what they've said and you're like computing it and that you get that this big thing that they may have been carrying and concealing like that is now in your brain like that's now in your mind you're like there with them it's not just like a singular secret they're keeping we discussed that we did an episode about listening and we all the tips came from an fbi hostage (laughs) negotiation expert (laughs) and so some of them that helpful but that was one of them but it's actually and and I understand completely why you do it it makes the person feel so heard and so you know really listened to but it's actually quite a bit of a technique to master it and for it to feel Mm. natural rather than to feel like you're immediately like are you just saying back everything I've just said immediately some of us tend to not like, so if you so say someone says that they're thinking about killing themselves some people would then shy away from saying it at any point like in the conversation you'd be like so when you know how long have you have you ever wanted to end things before whereas you could use the terminology that they've used to show yeah. that it's like 
I'm with you. I'm not. I'm not too frightened to say it. Like I'll mm. say it with you. Yeah, you're so right. Even then, when you just change the phrase of if I'd said I want to kill myself and you said, and how long have you been thinking about ending it all? And I'd be like, no, I don't know. I think that this is it. It's so important to help people curate their own description and their own like way of processing it. Like that's the best thing that friends do. That is friendship down to a T. It is like helping somebody to like describe what they love, what they hate, what they want, what they need. Like it's all about like, you know, helping each other articulate life. Well, the last letter is H, which stands for, like, have courage. I suppose it's that mothering or smothering thing. That, like, if we get... uh, If you get a negative reaction back from someone straight away, the thing to do isn't, like, try and make them immediately better. The thing to do isn't, like, plaster over it and be like, you know, it's all going to be okay, this is all going to be blah, blah, blah. Like, like the thing is to sort of just say that, like, I'm going to be here when you need me i'm going to be here for what you need if you need me to sit with you and make that phone appointment to the doctors or to whoever then like i'll just sit in the corner with you you won't even know i'm there but you can know i'm there i can dial the numbers for you like it's that scale of knowing that actually you have like the courage and ability to 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 actually help facilitate something with someone it doesn't mean you're doing it for them um but and I don't think you have to be afraid of that. I think so much of it comes from this, like, fear. And that fear is very valid because, essentially, it, it ties into, like... The reason why I think that people in my family were always... For example, my brother. So he, my brother claims that he sort of always maybe knew that I was gay. He would maybe use the word, I was always scared that you were gay. But what he means is he's not scared because he's homophobic he's scared because he's worried what other people's reactions are going to be and i think like love and fear operate on this really entwined level we are scared for the people we love because we know that there are dangers out there that there are ways that they can be persecuted or attacked or you know made to feel like they're not worthy or whatever and i think it's about like using that fear properly and calmly to actually help people rather than use it to like I don't know, my brother teaching me how to form a fist when I was, like, six. Or, like, him telling me that if anyone gives me any trouble, he'll, like, sort them out. Like, I'm six, <laughs> you know? <laughs> You're 18, get a life. <laughs> like, and, I, and I think that fear drives so much of the, like, misery that people have. And that, like, it's what you hear all the time when you hear from parents that have maybe reacted badly when their children have come out and then like later on down the line they completely get it and they're loving and accepting like it it, 99.9% of the time comes from just sheer fear that they're like they they haven't done something right that they failed or that something bad is going to happen and in the case of this book and the case of my experiences it's like my dad dying was the worst thing that could have happened Ollie taking his own life was the worst thing that could have happened. When those things that are the worst case scenarios occur, then you really can't let like the fear win anymore. Like you have to just push on through, even if you get it wrong. Like there's no point of being scared about it because you've hit the floor, so to speak. Mm. And so I think like just trying to encourage people to like actually have those skills of like listening and not being scared of getting it wrong and then admitting to somebody that they might get it wrong is good i don't think it's ever bad to admit that you're worried that you might fail at something or you might fail someone type thing like we're not all trained psychotherapists Mm. type thing Mm.
Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Okay, so uh, I'm just going to flick over to page 77 here in my copy of the book. As you can on from the 30th of July. So basically, the, the stories from, from my, like, I've done three Edinburgh shows, and they've sort of been like comedy theatre hybrids. One was called Good Grief, and it was all about, like, losing my dad, and it, and it was co-written, and it co-starred my nan. So my nan, who's my dad's mum, was like 85. She was in it throughout in these little films that we shot. And then my second show was called Happy Hour, and that was all about, like, sort of young male suicide and my friends and how we'd coped with it. And then my third show was called Love Letters, and that was all about cock. <laughs> so um, I've sort of tried to compile the best, funniest stories from each three of those shows into the book and then written, like, mini advice guide chapters. And this one is called Bullshit Things You Shouldn't Say to the Severely Bereaved on the Day of a Funeral. Very useful. Um, there's a few little... I'll pick up just two or three things. Things such as, um, you don't deserve this. Um, I really think that that's not the best thing to say to someone because it's a bit like stating the obvious. Um, I've also got, I wouldn't want to be cremated myself. Oh, my um, God. And... Last but not least, that may be the saddest funeral I've ever been to. Oh, They're all things that I can genuinely recall people saying. Um, and then, yeah, and I, I've sort of tried to put like a how to act at a funeral tip here mm. to sort of support your bereaved friends. So I've said, as a funeral attendee, you should go in with a funny or happy memory of the person lost or alternatively go in merely to support, show your face and help the person bereaved. Don't dial up the tragedy or start mentioning other funerals. No one cares that this is the fourth one you've been to this year and it's only June. It's basically just encouraging people to sort of tits and teeth it. Yeah. which I think is kind of the thing to do. And I know that kind of goes against the kind of like anti-British stiff upper lip rhetoric that we have today. But I think when you're going to a friend's parents' funeral, you've just got to tits and teeth it. What, what, in contrast to those like don't say these, are there any do's, do's on your list? I think 
I think it's almost what you said, Tessa, about like feeling terrified to mention it. I think it's just about the one huge do that I have throughout the book is like that, like you can admit to saying to somebody, you know, this is really difficult. I hope I don't get this wrong, but like I'm here. Is there anything I can do? Like, I think it's about not ignoring it. Like I, I speak a lot about anniversaries in the book and, and like the sort of symbolism that they hold for people. And it's just about saying like, on the day or a couple of weeks before, like, I know this anniversary is coming up. Do you want to do anything on it? Do you want to do nothing? Do you want me to mind my own business? Do you want to go to Wagamama and have a chicken katsu curry? Like, <laughs> like I think it's, it's about just acknowledging it and not just sort of like avoiding the subject in fear of awkwardness. Do you feel like that putting in that option C, mind my own business, is an important thing to offer people so that they can, in a jovial way, be like, see, please, I'm, o- you know, I'm okay. Mind your own business. Yeah. Like, I think so. I think it is important to just sort of like sometimes admit that you don't know what the right thing is to do. And and the, and the, and that's like this is the the issues that I sometimes have with the kind of like mental health conversation is that it doesn't ever take into account that people might do the talking and the opening up to someone who's the exact wrong person to do that to. To do that to someone whose reaction might make things worse or or, or that that person might be dealing with their own guilt or shame and the fact that somebody else is struggling with something. And I think, like, we have to see it as more of a of a we thing, so to speak. Like, it's it's collective. It's like, it's not just like a you need to do this. It's, it involves more more than that. Mm. Mm. What, other, what other tip do you have for how to reach out to um, a friend? Okay, so we're now going to go a little bit forward now to page 129. Follow along at home, everyone. Note note that down for the future. This chapter is called How to Support a Friend on Their First Night Out After They've Been Through Some Shit. That's a great. Also, yeah. I just feel I feel really bad because I've sort of I've slagged off swearing in books, but then also both of these chapters have had the word shit in them. Um, lean in. Lean in. <laughs> so this is basically kind of like a how to get you know a friend like back out and about and showing their face and make sure they feel supported and make sure they feel like safe and comfortable and not petrified and terrified of everything. Um, I've got uh, a sort of a brief encouragement of the concept of pre-drinks. Um, mm. I think very important. I've also got a sort of warning about making sure that you've eaten something beforehand. I think one of the first times I went out after my friend Ollie's death, I just got absolutely plastered without putting a single food item in me. And it made the next day much worse on numerous levels. Uh, I, so I've put things like, if you can cook, make a cheap and cheerful pasta bake. Or if not buy 20-piece share boxes of McDonald's chicken nuggets and put them in those little goo pudding ramekins that we all have. You can, put the, you can put the dips in the ramekins and maybe just arrange the nuggets around in a sort of nice tribute to, to, to life. Um, and then I've also put, like, a more serious tips about, like, remind reminding people at the start of a night that, like, it's okay if you want the plan to change. Like, we actually, no one actually has to go out. You can go out for an hour, say, I'm having a shit time, and go home. Like, these things don't have to be these, like, preset, like, big, like, constantine events in our life, just, like, going to the pub or to, like, a night out. And I remember quite particularly, especially around my sort of, like, university years, like, people were, like, really, like, I don't know what the right word is, but like making nights out like the biggest thing ever like they were sacred and actually like you can just get on the bus to them and then get off and go home like 
and I and I think just like trying to put in a plan in place that's like if you feel shit or you feel sad we can get a bus we can get a cab home we can do this like don't feel the need to show your face or be happy or if you go on a night out and you're having a good time and then all of a sudden it hits you we can go home like making a plan type thing that's nice as well because then it feels like because I suppose sometimes when people are on nights out or I know when I've been on a night out and I felt a bit sad or like I wanted to go home there's like the, the gang the group whereas if you've been a specific person say i'll come home with you like i don't care you yeah. i'm your teammate sort of like at work if you've got like that one work colleague who's like yeah but you can bitch about your boss to me it like you then are not alone and it's not you, you're not just like wandering around being like will anyone go home with me because <laughs> you already yeah. know it's <laughs> like that you've got yeah yeah that's it i think it's like it's almost like uh, i remember at primary school we had this buddy system where like a kid in year six would come and buddy a kid in year one and when i was in year one my buddy was just like hey if you're being bullied for having curly hair let me know and like maybe we can cut your hair (laughs) (laughs) i didn't know oh oh right (laughs) like but just like someone basically who's just like keeping an eye out but in a way that feels like genuine less less like less buddy system and more just like i'm here for you like you'd never even considered your curly hair and just been like if this is going to be a problem (laughs) come to me (laughs) because if if i was a bully it'd be the first thing i'd go for um and also i think like not putting the pressure on being like oh this is going to be the this this is going to be this redemptive cathartic incredible night like it's just going to be a night i remember in first year at university being stuck in the toilets because outside the toilets um a very nice girl was having a total meltdown because she'd recently been dumped and the boy had shown up and and i couldn't leave the toilets because there was like maybe 20 girls outside (laughs) around her (laughs) by the sinks and she was my actually good friend and i did want to get to her but i couldn't get to her through the reams of not actually very good friends who were saying babe we're gonna brush your hair and you're going to have the best night of your life. <laughs> I wanted to be, like, through the toilet door. I was like, she can't possibly have the best night of her life. Go home. We're in, we're in the, the college canteen. <laughs> and they just kept forcing her into the middle of the ring of the circle while all the single ladies played. <laughs> and made her be like, well, she's weeping. And they're like, but you're a single lady now. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, it's not a yeah. film. You could like it's not a film. Your first night yeah. out could be like baby steps. It could just be like a pub near their house, like the person yeah. who's the house, not having a shit time. Time. So then, if they want to slip off, they just slip off out the door, and then they're at home. And but, but no one's like, we're all doing it near your house because you might have a cry. You just do it like like casually. So. Well, this is my next point on this topic is also to avoid then, in the same respect, being the person that overly checks in. On, oh on the bereaved person so being the person okay. that's like every half an hour are you okay are you good like a little wink from across the bar like a constant sort of like sort of mothering a smothering sorry you want a mothering not a smothering how do we find that line between mother and smother i think it's sort of um top like like because in the book i've sort of said like invite them round for a drink before walk to the place you're going to together like like make it a journey of two parts rather than them feeling like oh my god i'm going on this night out type thing like we all know it if you're going to a party you want to arrive with someone else it's so much nicer um and i think if you're having this sort of like first night out then that's quite important but yeah i think the smothering thing it's about like avoiding um 
avoiding that person feeling like like anything has changed even though they're very very aware that everything has changed and i think you want to just get those glimpses those little moments of like normality that drift in because you'll soon be naturally reminded that you know nothing is normal right now because you're going through it but but i think it's like feeling that stability the most important thing when you're going through grief is reminders of things that are like stable and concrete and that you can rely on because so much of death and loss is is everything that you know or knew being kind of like chucked up in the air like a magician pulling a tablecloth off a table but everything just smashing to shit i think it's just important to not to know that it's just striking that balance really and that's sort of like the that's the same it's kind of applicable to everything but i think because whenever we're worried about someone we tend to like let it like bubble right up into our chest and our throats and we then we sort of like fumble our way through and actually i think if you're worried about someone the most important thing you can do is remain as like calm and measured as possible like that's gonna help equip you the best I um, obviously didn't lose anybody, but I went completely mad this last winter and um, would refer to myself as feeling like I was in the bottom <laughs> in that David Attenborough documentary about the bottom of the Mariana Trench and um, where there's like a brine lake and then like uh, eels keep popping in the brine lake. A reference that you either get or don't get. But if people ask how I was, I'd be like, what is in the brine lake? <laughs> anyway, I was just going to say that I, what I really appreciated was, Stevie, this is for you, you were so... Um, I was like, well, I'm. Comp-. You were like, just come around, just sit, just be, be part of it, just sit in the corner. <laughs> you were, f- you were filming. And I was like, I can't be any help because I feel like I'm at the bottom of the brine lake. And you were like, that's all right, we don't need you anyway. You know, <laughs> you know, use. But, but you can just sit, you can just sit and be, you can be, and no one's going to ask anything of you. And being like, ignore, genuinely being not ignored, but like just being allowed to be part of it without anyone asking anything of me or being like, what's it like <laughs> down in the brine? <laughs> I, uh, I really appreciated. Um, and equally, like, just being, just sort of being no-nonsensely mothered, but in a, like, no-nonsense, like, just being, you're being taken to this now, and I'm like, sit there, like a little... Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. no one's expecting you to be on, you know? Like, I think the worst thing for no. feeling down is when someone's always like, why are you so quiet? Like, you, you're not normally this quiet. And then you feel like you're, suddenly you're the burden, and, ev- and you're like this black hole yeah. like, sucking everything in. Whereas, actually, if everyone would, was just, like, complete, treating you completely normally, and you're just quiet that's what you want like that's fine if yeah because because they're your friends yeah but, yeah very very tricky um should we move on to tip number three well tip number three um i i as i did mention i'm self-confessed gay um <laughs> <laughs> yes i speak a lot about sexuality in this book because i think it's something that I particularly struggled with and that I think there is a real presumption from people that everything is sort of okay now and this is something that I I'm currently writing a a sitcom that has a sort of lead character who's sort of gay and exploring his sexuality and anytime I write anything where there's like a conflict I just get a barrage of like mostly straight people saying yeah but things are all right now like i know a 15 year old and they're gay and like they've got a pissed eyebrow and i'm like yeah babe you work in tv like of course you know some okay gays like the reality is that there's still like like a lot of especially young queer people and like struggling badly and it doesn't matter how many like visible gay people there are on telly it's more it's more than that like visibility isn't just who we see like hosting who 
I was going to say, would I lie to you? But that's always Rob Brydon. But I suppose he is a diversity beacon for the Welsh community. Um, but do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's more than that. So and I've also kind of explored quite a lot about what I want people to understand more, which is like, inter- I suppose, internalised homophobia that I think particularly like people my age would have experienced. Like, and just educating people on the very, like, this book really doesn't go into politics too much but like just the baseline level that like there was something called section 28 and it was there to prohibit the promotion of homosexuality and the visibility of same-sex couples and relationships in a way that like would be completely and utterly like flabbergasting today but is very much present in like countries with the biggest populations on the planet so it isn't something we have like fully defeated and i think internalized homophobia where you, you where you yourself are maybe you know aware of your homosexual tendencies or your queerness but you suppress it or you mock it in others or you see it as a point of weakness is something that like the first two or three years of me dating guys it was just apparent in almost everyone this sort of underlying level of like oh, i wish i wasn't gay mm-hmm. and 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 it definitely it put me off doing things that i think would have been really good for my mental health like I don't know, at uni joining the LGBT society or like hanging out with people who were much more comfortable in their own skin. Like I would try and seek out other gays who were sort of going under the radar or like with the sort of presumption of being heterosexuals as as my sort of like gay people that I should know, but it's kind of like a secret type thing. And I think so much of those sort of exchanges are about sort of concealment. They're about saying like, I'll keep your secret if you keep mine. And that is just like really no way to like build your life and intimacy and relationships with people. So I've tried to do a chapter on sort of how to help a loved one accept their sexuality. Cause by the time that I had sort of got there and was able to sort of address it, I still kind of needed a bit of help in getting rid of all of that backlog of internalized homophobic crap that I told myself was true. Mm. Um, And I think the first thing that I try to sort of say is that uh, we don't really need to necessarily put labels on it straight away. Like, I think the idea of somebody accepting their sexuality seems to come with this, like, attached tag of, like, oh, they're this now, or they're that now. And actually, that's quite prohibitive because it changes all the time. I actually know somebody who came out as gay... And then has gone right round the houses and been like, no, I think I'm straight. No, I think I'm bi. No, I'm definitely gay. And it's like, you could have just been yourself (laughs) the whole time. Then another sort of point within this is this kind of like, don't be smug. Don't sort of, I guess what I know I've heard of numerous times. And it's the one thing that I tend to hear of quite a lot when somebody comes out and this isn't necessarily the thing said to their face, but this is maybe the thing said to their back, which is like, I always knew. I always knew. I called it. I had tabs on that. I should have put a bet on it. I knew. And like, when you say that to someone's face or behind their back, it's incredibly, it's almost as if someone's like suggesting that they predicted who was going to win strictly at like the start of the series. It doesn't really mean anything. And, and especially when I've particularly heard people say it and then they therefore have made absolutely no effort to try and help the person in those years that they have thought it to maybe deal with it or tackle it or, you know, I don't know, go to a gay pub for a drink or like do anything that might be like supportive. And I understand that for a lot of people that comes out of fear and of not wanting to like push people into something. But 
I think it's a really strange thing to throw back at someone. And I and I know quite a lot of gay people who have had, and, and trans people as well, like throughout the whole queer community, who've had that, like, I always knew thing in the back of their mind. Mm. And I think if you're going to say the I always knew thing, you really have to be aware of the the power of, like, you admitting that. Because what you're essentially saying is, like, I knew and I therefore knew that you were hurting in some way, that you mm. didn't weren't able to say this out loud or able to act on this and i kept my fucking mouth shut yeah, yeah. you know it's a bit so it, it's a bit like saying yeah i kept up with the lie wasn't i good <laughs> like, yeah wasn't i good because it's not a smug like oh i always i did know actually you know it's not what it it's not what it's okay, sa- you're you're saying it to to me you're saying it for one reason but what it reveals about you is something completely different yeah it, it feels like as well it like reduces the person's incredibly complex experience to like a bit of like i don't know like yeah i knew and you're like what what like it's such it's so much bigger than that it's just like it, it like yeah like like you say like like you bet on in one strictly it's like it's a bit more, <laughs> it's a bit more than that. every single person that's sort of come out as gay so to speak or as queer or however they identify like there isn't it's not like a one-size-fits-all type thing and so much of like the mainstream depictions of it really I, I particularly think like gay male culture is always depicted as like two shirtless guys who are a bit oily looking in distress having a forbidden kiss i think that's massively actually affected how we help people accept their sexuality because we have such a limited like visual resource of like who and what like gay or queer people are Mm. and so i think it's about like trying to think broader about those things like the term straight acting for example I I sort of find it, I almost find it incredibly funny. I just find it hilarious that we have got this term for straight acting. And it's a term used both by, like, straight people describing gay people, but also gay people identifying it as it themselves, which I think is a whole other problem. So I think it's just being aware that that coming out experience or that accepting experience is going to be difficult, is going to be different, sorry, for every single individual. So don't make, like, presumptions about it type thing. Oh, and actually, do you know what I have put at the end of this chapter? Point number eight. Be excited for them. Yeah. Because I think if someone's wanted to suck a dick for ages and now they finally are, how great. So great. You know, if someone's wanted to lick something they've stopped licking, they haven't ever had a chance to lick, and now they're licking it, let them lick. Oh, my God. Live and let lick. Live and let (laughs) lick. Live and let lick. (laughs) this is the the tricky thing and actually it's the thing that i hope that i've got right in the book is like accepting of the fact that there are bigger reasons than just like ignorance as to why we get things wrong there are like certain things that we are conditioned to say and to believe and to do that are the reasons why we aren't that able to help each other and i think we have to understand those reasons better especially like especially right now as in like pre-coronavirus like the reason i felt like that was important to write a book with those sort of tips and the do's and don'ts type thing and to make it funny and silly is because like the majority of people can't access private therapy right now and the public services that are available in mental health are 
either constantly being cut or constantly in some sort of crisis or or even if they're not in crisis they're the the portrayal of them in crisis all the time is preventing people from seeking them out because they're just like defeated before they've even you know picked up the phone they're like well i've heard this that this trust mental health trust is failing so like where's the support for me where's this and it and it exacerbates this like ongoing like steeplechase of fear that people have we have to just better equip people to feel comfortable in like helping others yeah and we have to remove the fear when someone we know is going through a bad time that we're going to do something wrong and i think like you what, what you were saying about open questions is really important as well just allowing someone to behave and not being frightened by how they're behaving because it doesn't reflect on you at all it's all about the person you're supporting and it mm. feels like all the all the tips that you've given jack are all sort of just around like just making sure that you are really listening to what the other person wants and needs because they're telling you but we often just barrel in not listening because we're we've been told that oh we're supposed to say this or like i'm frightened so i'll just and you're not actually listening to the cues that the person's giving you like let them come to you if, if they, they they need something and i suppose everyone deals with going through a shit time in such a different way there, mm. there's no hard and fast rules for every single human being but all the things that you said have been so good because they've been so broad a variety of different people and yeah just about this open question thing if people are have got a friend that then they can't be physically with and they want to whatsapp them or text them or whatever what is the one like good open question that isn't just how are you but that is like nice and that opens the conversation up to be like i'm here to listen that isn't just like i'm here or sort of an empty i think right now is quite a strange time because all the coping mechanisms that we normally have for having those like setups of like getting people to open up aren't like physically able to be facilitated because we're all stuck in our rooms but i think i've always thought that if i was to ever have like a therapist for life i would want that therapist to be almost like the character that phoebe buffet played in friends when she was pretending that she was like a multi-millionaire conglomerate like oil broker i'm not sure if you remember that episode where she was like a businesswoman and the whole character was like right cut the crap tell me the truth sometimes you don't need to necessarily take that approach but it's like just maybe saying to someone like how are you actually doing like or like be honest i can take whatever like you can you can go on a scale from phoebe buffet cut the crap to just like the word actually how are you actually doing like and like and 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 i think it's just like trying to get somebody to understand that whatever they're concealing can be revealed like there is nothing too big that can't be said out in the open i know that sounds like there might be exceptions to that rule but i genuinely believe there's not and Mm. that i think will help hopefully in having those more difficult conversations i've actually found that's been very helpful with our friend tessa here when you've been having a bad time i've been like how's it going you've been like yeah fine i've been like okay so how's like specifically this thing going you've been like oh yes dreadful you're showing oh no i will persist to use your namesake jack it's to like it's to climb over the barrier and say like yeah all right i mean you keep saying you're fine but i'm gonna climb over with you now so it's from the titanic sorry oh yeah i literally was like when did i say that she's like i'm fine i'm fine go away and he's like well you are hanging off the back of a boat (laughs) so (laughs) you can keep saying you're fine but i'm gonna also climb over the (laughs) rope now you know like our film's got so many image images for reaching out to a friend all human life is there let the fit one die that's what I say. That's another lesson. That's the ultimate truth. That's yeah. Never let them grow old. If you're having sex, put your hand on the car window. Everyone's tried it and it never looks as good. And <laughs> no. um, Thank you so much, Jack. That was so helpful. It was just really, really helpful. Uh, please, uh, if you have any 
suggestions for future episodes nobody panic podcast at gmail.com please subscribe to the podcast leave us a review also i'm at stevie m yes is a five i'm at tessa coates the twitter handle for the podcast is nobody panic pod i will now sell the book in the way that lisa kudrow would sell the book playing phoebe buffet power there we go the book's called cheer the fuck up okay Buy the book. Don't buy it on Amazon because they keep on messing up the pre-order link. Buy it at Waterstones or support an independent retailer. It's out on the 30th of July. Good night. Jack, out. And where can people find you on social media? I'm just at Jack Rook on Twitter. I'm at Jack Dave Rook on Instagram because Dave is my middle name because my parents are pricks. And thank God one of them's dead. See you later, guys. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much jack you were absolutely excellent if you've got a mate that you have either you've had have any any the slightest inkling might not be doing so well drop them a whatsapp be aware of the people around you and that it's not it's really hard sometimes for when you're going through shit to have the gumption to reach out it's, it should always be on the onus of the friends as well not just the person yeah so don't find yourself sat at home thinking oh they'll call me if they need me be like nope i'm calling now i'm coming in here I come. Hello! And also, Hello. ironically, goodbye. <laughs> Hello and goodbye. Thank you so much for hanging out with us and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Lucy Beaumont. And guess what? I'm Sam Campbell. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy our podcast. It's called Lucy and Sam's Perfect Brains. It, we have a podcast and uh, it might be, uh, I probably don't want to sound, um, you know, like I'm bragging, but it's dynamite. It is electric. It's high voltage. And please, we really need you to listen. You don't understand how much we need this. Is it on all the platforms? Oh, it absolutely is. But um, yeah, we, th- this one is coming. This one's out now. Lucy and Sam's perfect brands.